0: Okay, so do I have a special treat for you all today? Oh my gosh, guys. You know how you meet someone, they're just like a bright, shiny light. So Dr. Fove has done an underground experience at the winery. She comes up to me afterwards and she goes, Randy, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing here. This is my world. This is my life. Is there any way I can be part of what you're doing? I go, oh my gosh, write a podcast, write a podcast. Let's do it. You are going to love this. We shot it on a Wednesday's talk live at the winery. Today, it's Dr. Fove, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. You're going to love it.
1: Hi everyone, Randy, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I feel honored to be with you guys today. Um I am Dr. Fove Lucky, a clinical psychologist from Northeast Pennsylvania, and today we are here to chat about boundaries in parenting. Um when Randy and I were talking about what I should do a podcast on, he told me that the top two most listened to podcasts that he had written were Boundaries and then Boundaries Episode 2, Relationships. So we just thought it would be a natural follow-up to discuss boundaries in parenting. Uh, and this is such an important topic and, and a never-ending one. And it comes up every day in my private practice, as well as in my personal life with my own children. So I also want to preface this talk by recognizing that this episode could also be called pressures in parenting, because there is so much pressure on parents right now to create the exact right amount of boundaries with kids. We are so often told We can't have too many boundaries because you don't want to be too rigid, but you do have to have boundaries here or there because you don't want to be too relaxed. And then you should let your kids do this, but then you shouldn't let your kids do that. And then all that judgment can just be crazy making for parents. So I want to talk about the importance of creating a healthy balance in our boundaries based on what we think is appropriate for our own individual families. In the previous two boundary episodes, Randy talks about how others will treat you based on the way that you see yourself. And that's 100% correct. And in my practice, I like to tell people, we teach others how to treat us, especially our kids. We teach others how to treat us. When we look at how we parent our children and the boundaries we set for them, we have to ask ourselves, who taught us boundaries? What did we learn? Growing up about boundaries. What or who were our models for boundaries? There's a fascinating notion from very early infant and child research called ghosts in the nursery. And I talk about this all the time in my practice. It's a notion that when we have a baby, it's not only the parents who impact the baby in the nursery, but also the parents' parents or the grandparents or early caregivers who will very much influence our parenting styles and subsequently our babies. Whether they're alive or not, it's the experiences that we bring in. We're naturally going to parent the way that we were parented. So as parents, it's important to reflect on how we were raised. And if those methods are ones that we want to use with our children, or maybe the opposite of what we want to use with our children. Ideally, we want to raise our children and kids with healthy boundaries. Kids with healthy boundaries become adults with healthy boundaries. And if kids are shown appropriate boundaries when they are young, they will seek out healthy boundaries and also respect boundaries in relationships when they're older. Now, when I talk about setting boundaries with our children, I want to make an important distinction between babies and kids. So babies are not born with boundaries. There's no such thing as boundaries with babies. So for healthy development, babies under the age of one, 12 months, should not have boundaries. Babies are born with the idea that they are the same creature as mom or dad, whoever it is, indistinguishable, one and in the same. This is how babies feel safe and loved and cared for. And it's only around six months that babies actually start to realize that they're separate beings from mom. Or dad, right? When they start to think of themselves separate, individual. This is why we see separation start around this time. Because if mom or caregiver isn't around, then baby doesn't feel safe. Then at around 12 months to 18 months, babies will eventually learn that even though they can't see mom or dad, they'll come back and they still feel safe. So when I talk about setting the hard boundaries, we need to separate the babies from the toddlers. So babies, we don't want to worry about boundaries, right? We will teach them not to throw blocks and spit and drool eventually, right? Toddlers, when they get to that point that they're learning and using the word no, yep, this is when we need to start setting the boundaries, especially because this is the time that they'll instinctually start testing and then pushing our boundaries. I know it's insanely frustrating as parents. But kids testing our boundaries is, in fact, a good thing. Healthy child development includes kids trying to test the boundaries to see where our lines are and to see how far they can go and how far they can push us. And here's the kicker kids will test boundaries because they want to know that the boundary exists. They may tantrum to get you to cave into that boundary, but on deep levels, Kids want the boundary. Boundaries help us feel safe. It's why we have laws and life is not a free for all. We feel safe within the rules. Same with kids. When they know where the lines are, they can then be free to act within the lines. There's comfort, safety, and predictability within the boundaries. Kids without boundaries do not have that same sense of security. So, this may completely challenge what we think. But if we can understand that when kids are testing the boundaries, they're really asking us to enforce the boundaries, then it becomes so much easier for us as parents to fight the good fight and not cave into them. So it's a good thing when kids try to test and push the boundaries. And it's an even better thing when parents don't give in to those tests of the boundaries. And it's a constant battle as parents. Because as kids grow up, they will continue to test our boundaries. So when they're little, it might be over a cookie or bath time. But as they get older, then it might be over hanging out with friends, curfew, driving, or dating. Much scarier topics. When we don't set boundaries when they're little, we are effectively teaching our kids that they can walk all over us. Because there's no safe limits or predictability. And then those battles become intensified exponentially when they're teenagers. And they will take that way of relating to you into other relationships and have an expectation of no boundaries or very loose boundaries or unstable boundaries. And when kids and adults don't have structure or predictability or too much choice or control, this can create significant anxiety. Think of Baskin-Robbins and 31 Flavors, if that's even still a thing anymore, I don't know. It's great to have so many options, but sometimes people don't know what to do with all that freedom. They can't make a decision. Given three choices, like chocolate, strawberry, or vanilla, it's much easier to make a decision. This is the same thing with our kids. Children don't know what to do with so many choices, especially if they're given choices over things that are not age-appropriate. For example, allowing a six-year-old to pick bedtime or allowing a two-year-old to pick wearing sandals in the winter. No. The six-year-old goes to bed at 7.30, but can pick what books to read at bedtime. Or the two-year-old needs to wear boots, but can pick the blue ones or the red ones. At the end of the day, we want our kids to become teenagers and adults who have a strong sense of their own boundaries, to know what is and what is not appropriate, to recognize what they will and will not tolerate from others, both physically and emotionally. And the only way that that will happen is if we model for them healthy boundaries when they're little. And this is a constant struggle for parents to find a delicate balance between how much choice to give kids and where to draw the lines. But when this can be done in a healthy, safe, and loving way, then our kids grow up to be adults who will respect, create, and maintain their own boundaries and also the boundaries for others. So, hi. Hi.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here. So, um, and even before we started recording, I said, like, the ne- the trajectory of my life now moving forward is, like, I'm in, like, father mode. I don't have kids yet. Everybody that listens knows this. But that's, like, where the next, you know, the, the rest of my life is headed towards. But before we even kind of jump in, I have a list. I have a oh, list of questions. I read Perfect. your talk and was like, great if I'm really going to take on the life of a parent and do this, I got to ask a bunch of questions. I'm sure Randy and Mm -hmm. Tiffany is actually on the podcast, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to hear Tiffany's voice here for the first time. Um, but I always kick it off when we have a new guest for the first time on here. Um, one, what made you want to get involved in your current profession now? And, and it could be short, quick, just what made you want to focus primarily on, um, bound like for parents, like what's your area of study and things of that nature. So tell us a little bit about yourself in that regard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I've known I wanted to be a psychologist, you know, since I was fifteen and, you know, my first undergrad course, psych like 101, it was like, there we go, that was it. Um and I've just always loved kids. Always loved kids, have a million of them in my life and just it was just natural. Like there was no other field for me. Like that was just it. Um, so I was fortunate enough to kind of just know this is what I'm doing with my life and this is my calling. Um, so, and I, every opportunity that I ever had in grad school, undergrad, nannies, babysitting, um, was, you know, I sought out jobs with kids and, you know, clinical and otherwise. Very
2: cool. The helping of children. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Before I jump changes. into my questions, I know the parents in the room may have questions. Would love to hear from a parent's perspective thoughts on that and, and any questions there. And, and we'll kind of kick it off that way and see where the conversation kind of navigates towards.
0: So I have one. Yeah. So a lot of times when it comes to the, the setting boundaries with children, I notice a lot of times with mom and I, we may be in the kitchen, Natalie's thrown a fit, something's going on. She wants something she shouldn't be having. There's an amount of energy and effort that it takes to enforce a boundary. And a lot of times as parents, it's us saying, I'm gonna dig down deep to make this happen for your future, right? Exactly. I, right, isn't it true? Yes. So many times it's like, sure, just take the iPad, watch it for another two hours so I can go relax. But us as parents need to go, no, I have a boundary here and you're gonna, you're trying to cross it. The iPad now goes away because you've been on it for 40 minutes. And I now need to exert the effort and energy to enforce this. I think a lot of times in today's society, parents, are they're, they're just so whooped. They're so exhausted. They go, fine, whatever you want. Just be quiet for a bit so I can relax. Mm-hmm. Right? You would be on that?
1: I am so with you. And I can't tell you how many times this week I've had that conversation. Hmm. And I think the more life that I live and the more that my children grow up, the more that I, there's, there's, such a smaller distinction between me and the person sitting on the other side of the couch Mm for me mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and my education and the diplomas on the wall are the only thing that separates us within that hour Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. because these parents are coming in saying the exact same thing that you did and i'm like yeah i gave my kid 20 oreos last (laughs) night like you know what i mean and it's so hard so hard and i think too that you know uh so much of my recent conversations have been, you know, with other moms who are childcare workers or teachers or psychologists, therapists themselves, or, you know, working in the mental health field with kids. And I think that though that population of women are just and, and men too, right? But are just a special breed of people because all the pressures that parents have, we intensify it. 20,000 times because we've magically had this formal education that should tell us, well, this is what you do, mm-hmm. right? And you should know this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then we just beat ourselves up because then we feed them 20 Oreos and we're like, we knew mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. we knew better. Right, right. But I think there's a difference, right? And especially when, you know, parents come in to my office and they, you know, little Timmy does this, this, and this. And he's, little Timmy's never gonna do that for me in my office, right? Right. Because... I have an hour to hang out with little Timmy. I've eaten. I've gone to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get anywhere, mm-hmm. right? I have an hour for little Timmy to do whatever he needs to do. And if that means throwing chairs or crying or whatever, mm-hmm. then I have that effort and the mm-hmm. energy to sit with that right. and handle that behavior. When I go home, I'll oh, forget about it. No, there no energy. Mm-hmm. There's no, mm-hmm. but, and that's where, we get stuck, yeah, because it takes so much energy and so much effort to fight the good fight.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And the, the the thing is that the fights that we're fighting when we're younger, so much less time and energy than when they're older.
0: Wow, right? Fight it, fight it early. Set fight the boundary, it early. boundaries early. Set the
1: boundaries early. And right. grant those boundaries will change, but do it early because it's it's much less yeah. of a fight do later. Do it now.
0: Do it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think of a, of a story I heard of one time. Is a lot of times with us as parents, it's, it's, you know, how the saying, your actions speak louder than your words. You know, what are you living? Mm-hmm. And so, there's some times where like you may be trying to enforce a boundary with a child, but you're not living it yourself. Right. And there's a story, I think it was Gandhi, you know, some young child, eight year old, is talking to his mom. And the mom goes, you know, would you go, go ask him? And, uh, and, uh, or no, 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 the mom goes, hey, I wanna, can you ask my son to not eat so much candy? And he goes, I can do this. Please go away for three days and come back and see me in three days. She goes, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. So she leaves. Three days later, she comes back. She goes, I- I'm back. And she looks at little Johnny and goes, don't eat candy. And she goes, well, why the three days? He goes, well, when you asked me three days ago, I was eating candy. How could I ever enforce a boundary if I'm doing it myself? And, there, and a lot of times it does play back to that. You know, it's the life we live.
2: <laughs> wow. I feel like so, I'm living in like deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and I mean that in the nicest way, because it's like, I just had this conversation with Diana and because about building a business and I, my goal in my life when I have children is to like, I, I don't think I could ever set a precedent if I haven't done it. Right. So if I, if my goal is to be a successful business owner until I hit a level of success that I believe to be successful, if my kid was to come to me and then say, I want to be a business owner, how could I then Unless I did it myself, how could I tell my child, yeah, it's possible you could do this if I haven't essentially done it. Not to say that I need to do it. It's just that concept of like going through the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mean to take the, the, mm-hmm. the light from it. I was just like, oh, it's just crazy how the, oh, three, them, yeah, I, I'm eating candy too. Mm-hmm, so it's, yeah. you want me to do something, but mm-hmm. I'm doing it myself. So how can I do that? So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's funny.
3: Randy's actually the candy guy.
2: I am the candy guy. He's, <laughs> he's always giving the kids
3: candy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like right before. Yeah. Um, Bedtime, bed- bed yeah, all yeah. the time.
0: And you know, love it. It makes me think there's certain areas of life that tiffs stronger at setting boundaries mm-hmm. than me. So right. when it comes to boundaries, there are, there are areas of life, I believe. You know, when it comes to, I would say, uh, bedtime, you're stronger than I am. When it comes to not even candy, mama's ironclad. She's like, we're not eating candy. I don't want you to bounce off the walls. You know, but then there's other areas of life that I may be stronger in. Yeah, And what I notice is that you and I get to know each other and there's certain areas that you will you will then take over and and enforce that stronger than I do.
2: You know, and uh, is that natural, like it naturally falling into play? Like, mm-hmm. am I, I, and say, I hope yeah. I'm asking the mm-hmm. question the oh, right yeah. way? Like, it's just like, oh, yeah. I don't want to say gender role. I don't want people to get offended. It's just like naturally motherly no. or fatherly mm-hmm. aspect.
3: And I think it also depends on the day, too. Like, if I'm at home with the kids all day, sometimes I'll call Randy and say, hey, this is what's going on. You know, like right. yesterday, they were in time out yep. until Randy came home.
0: I knew I was walking into it. Yeah. Right. So she she called me, mm-hmm. goes, This is this is what's happening right now. Yep. I got both of them in timeout. I go, great, leave them there. Let them in there, let them there until I get home. And mm-hmm. that right. So I, yeah. I get home. And then and meanwhile, I now have a half an hour to think what I'm gonna what <laughs> i gonna say to these young children, right? <laughs> and I walk in and I I basically I'll, I'll paint a portrait for them. I go, imagine if this, this, and this could play out after what you just did. And Joseph's eyes lit up, he goes, Would you want that to happen? He goes, No. You know, so, so a lot of times when it comes to the like, Young Joseph's, four, you know, what four, five, six, you know, six. young little, little kid, right? And a lot of times, it's perspective for the children. Can you give them perspective? Can you let them see it through your eyes a little bit? Because they don't have perspective. They can't see like how is this going to impact me in a grander scale, you know? And it's not that I'm rationalizing with him. I'm trying to convince him. But if I can get him to crack his eyes just a little bit and go, "This is this is what could be happening to you in a year from now," this is why this is a rule and is not going to be broken. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I mean, yesterday it happened. I go, I go. He was in timeout, and I go, Do you understand what you did was wrong? No response. That's fine. You sit there. I walk away. Ten minutes later, how about now? Do you understand now? No. He's talking to me a little bit. Fine. I'll be back ten minutes. He knew, and it reached a point. I go, You. I want you to say to me what that you understand what happened, and that you will not be doing this again. Mm -hmm. And finally, it took probably forty minutes. You know, because in the beginning, he was acting like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm completely oblivious. Really? I have no idea. Of course. Really? Okay. Play the game as long as you want. Yeah. You know, and he sat there and he knew. You know, there's there's a thing that mom and I say to the kids. I go, if we say it, it will be. You know, I follow through my words. Right? And they they shake their head. Yeah. They go, yeah, dad. Yeah. So don't, don't make me say it.
3: There's also a difference between boys and girls, too. As uh, far as and discipline. And yeah. you know how you were saying yeah. in your speech? Um, not your speech or... Your- yeah, you would, call yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But you were saying, like, as far as like a someone going outside and wearing their winter boots compared to sandals, yeah. like with Joseph, he'll test that and oh, he'll yeah. be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, I'm going to wear my sandals." I'm like, "Okay, go ahead." You know, wear your sandals. Yeah, experience right. it. I'm telling you <laughs> right. not to. Yep. But he needs to experience it <laughs> exactly. as a boy. They just need yep. to. Mm-hmm. They're just like, "Yep, my feet are cold if I walk outside in the snow." Right. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and but I think that those are natural consequences. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I think too, as parents, it's like it, the part of the effort and the energy is dealing with the natural consequence that follows. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's ten o'clock at night. You're trying to get to bed. I'm starving. Mm-hmm. I'm starving. Right, and then we kind we give in. Right, we're like, okay, here, because we feel like they're starving. Your kids that they're, too. They're telling. Yeah. Oh my oh gosh. My, yeah, oh right?
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah. No, and then I, I, right, we feel bad. Okay, you can have food. No. Yes. Right. And then I, in my head, I'm like, right? No, no. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's ten o'clock at night. You had availability to eat dinner, mm-hmm. right? So today we're going to learn the lesson that you eat your dinner, yeah, or else there are natural consequences if you don't eat your dinner, mm-hmm. and you will then go mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. without food, right? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not condoning starving your children, no, but right. Does, but like, I get it. There are natural consequences mm-hmm. if this is your choice, right? This is the consequence if you choose the sandals, right? This is a consequence. Mm-hmm this Mm -hmm. is the snow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you learn yeah right but i think it's so hard because then we're like oh Mm -hmm. but we gotta we gotta give them the cookie at 10 o'clock at night or we have to you know bring five pairs of shoes in case they decide to change their mind you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and it's like even with creating dinner at
3: night um i definitely understand that too like if i don't feed my daughter at night like really late i'm up with her during the middle of the night breastfeeding is that okay for me to say that of course okay course. oh yeah she's little yeah
1: right right but yeah well that's so my distinction between sleep. babies and toddlers right and so again and again this is what i say when like the your boundaries are going to change every day because yeah. your kid is one day older yes one day smarter one day braver mm-hmm. or, you know what i mean and so for the babies it's We don't have many boundaries. We shouldn't have many boundaries, right? We want to meet their needs. We don't want them to go without. Yes. Because then if meeting their needs is the healthy thing, right? When we as parents know that like, oh, my three-year-old really does have all their needs met. You ate. You're clean. Okay. We're going to sit down. We're going to have the good fight. You're not getting the cookie, Mm -hmm. right? And if they cry themselves to sleep on the floor because they were so distraught about the cookie, I will put money on the fact that the next night they're not going to mention the cookie. Right. Mm-hmm. right.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Can, this brings up. Can you talk about any thoughts on the distinction between healthy boundaries and consistency?
1: Oh, it's the same thing, Randy. It's the same thing.
0: Well, you just mentioned that the boundaries could change over time. Correct. So how does so the consistency with boundaries? The consistency. I'm going to go
1: back to what you said, right? What I say will be, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right. And so that's the consistency. There you go. I'm with what you, you say like might change day to day, but the notion that what you say will be mm-hmm. does not change.
0: Boom. Thank so you. that's it. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. That's it. Yeah. I got a chapter in the book coming out, Exposing the Roots. It's uh, it's on uh, Bob and Betty, a couple I met at the, at the winery. And I asked them, I go, give me advice for raising young children. Because Tiff and I are an island. Like, we don't have any family to be, like, talking to. Yeah. You know, so if I meet a wise couple, I ask them, what, what advice? They go, be consistent. If you're moving the goalposts, they have no idea.
1: Right. No, and that's right. hard. And that's when kids don't have predictability. Or that's when they don't have the structure that they need, right? And mm-hmm. think about us, if there's no laws. Right.
2: Or there's chaos. no,
1: mm-hmm. right? It's right. chaos and we feel anxious.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I ask where that comes from? So what do like, you mean? So like structure, stability, things of that nature. Like so if you again, I'm not a father, I'm not a parent. Um when you guys are putting structure in place for children or you're doing it for your children, where does your what's your determining factor on what says goes? Like where do you draw? I I don't know if it's influence, but like where do you draw, like, all right, here's a line in the sand. This is wrong because of this, this is okay because of this. Like, morals value i i I think i know what i'm trying to say i'm having a very hard time articulating it because i think i'm loading it all into one question it's not one question it's multiple
1: no but i totally understand you that that's the ghost of the nursery okay that's the parent's job to reflect on what they're bringing into their own parenting right because my values may differ from your values based on how we grew up and how we were taught
2: values i see right there's not one way to raise a child there isn't
1: right and randy and tiff's values may differ also, okay. Right. And so our three households might have different values and different structure and different patterns. Mm. We have to be aware of where those came from because then maybe we're setting up values that maybe we don't want to, or maybe we are modeling for them unhealthy relationships or eating chocolate all the time, whatever it is. Right. And so we have to reflect and think about, okay, well, who let me eat chocolate all the time or who had unhealthy boundaries growing up in my life? How Mm -hmm. did I learn? Right. So, I mean, all of our households will have different values, different structures, different boundaries. The healthier that we can be includes looking at us and Mm -hmm. reflecting on how we were parented and what we're bringing in to the nursery because that's what's going to influence the way that you parent. Hmm. Does that make Oh, no, it does. It's, that okay.
2: it's, it's it's I'm like every time I have conversations and I talk, it's just I'm always learning. I'm, I'm like a sponge. I just like to absorb stuff and it's a different perspective on right like I ask my parents, I ask other people and it's just hearing another perspective. It's just like but there's an underlying consistency that you find with parenting like you know what i mean like it's just there is the same thing across the board but the way it happens is different and it's always cool to see that dynamic from mm-hmm. different aspects of it
3: mm-hmm. yeah you, you think, and diana will be great parents
2: i hope man yeah on with, and you'll dude. learn i'm like sitting here freaking out low-key i'm buying <laughs> dad books and like i'm one of seven and like i i would like to be, like my parents are still together i grew up in a nice like but I, I like to envision being a, a healthy home but it's just like oh like great like but was it healthy? Like you don't know until you experience it and you do it yourself. And there's things that I like and there's things that I don't like that I'm like trying to incorporate into my potential parenting style. But then you also don't know if it's the right or the wrong thing to do. And then you sit back like, well, am I stuck? Am I I don't know what to do. Like, I hope you do it right. But I guess that's the constant fight that parents have is, am I doing it right? You really don't know as long as you have the best intentions in mind for your children and the best possible outcome.
3: Yeah. And you and Diana will learn as you go. Like you were mentioning as far as chocolate, like if Randy's giving the kids chocolate at night, I'll you know tell him coming, like, hey, the kids are up. Can we stop doing this? And it's just kind of talking amongst, you know, husband and wife.
2: Randy or, me and you mm-hmm. are the same person. I'm, the same, I'm eating chocolate <laughs> along with him. I'm like. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, <laughs> I'm right there
3: too. I like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But I think from what you guys are Talking about it sounds like there's a healthy balance, right? You were saying that they seem to complement each other really well. Yeah,
2: it just, it just, and I'm hearing it, and I'm seeing it there, and I look at my parents, and it's like they complement each other. It's just a different right. perspective to look at because mm-hmm. it's like you know, I've never looked at parenting that way. Yeah, I should say.
1: And I think that's awesome. And unfortunately, that's not in every household, mm-hmm. right? Mm.
2: Tiff and I have had a great advantage.
0: We were married for a lot of number of years before we had children, and in a sense, we battled out understanding each other make sense yeah when you first get married there's clashes and friction and so on and over time i noticed it just kind of kept going down and down and down you know they say in life pay attention to duration frequency intensity right Mm. and i'm noticing that these things are all going in the right direction and today what will happen is if i'm thinking a thought i know she's thinking it it happens (laughs) almost every hour
3: it's kind of creepy sometimes it's really something
0: (laughs) i know she's thinking the exact same thought the exact same moment based upon words that were said just like three seconds ago i know it's in her head and wow. that and you gain that just by being in a sense so in sync on the exact same wavelength going through life
3: mm-hmm. and, um, you'll yeah. drive by something and look at something as you're in the car and then all of a sudden we'll talk about the same thing we like i was just gonna say that
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's a cool dynamic yeah. it's, it's like a, a sixth sense it yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so
1: attuned to each other right right yeah. and then we essentially want that for our babies too. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. In a healthy, ideal world, mom or dad, whomever, is attuned to the baby just like that Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. ideal infant development as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can I share one thing about a boundary that my mom never had that I learned from that I don't let happen to me? Everyone knows me as a pretty giving guy. Right. Like I'll do anything for anybody anytime. Right. Give give it away. Do it. Do it. But Randy also takes care of himself because my mom died giving. Completely. My mom had lymphoma, leukemia, and she would do anything for anybody, anytime. And she drove herself right into the ground. And she would come to me crying and so exhausted. I'm going, Mom, why don't you do anything for yourself? Like, take care of yourself. And ultimately, it killed her. Because she, didn't, she would let her family just walk all over her. I mean, her brothers and sisters, her mom, they would just talk so nasty to her and be so ugly. I'm going, why do you even go there? And in tears, she goes, they're my family. I go, who cares? Who cares? Walk away. And now today, I can tell you, you know, I only let people in my life that I want in my life. If I don't want them in my life, they're not in my life. It's just that simple. I don't care who you are, or what you are, and that—that that in a sense has set me free, right? And it's also made me healthier. And no one holds it against me. You know what I mean? Like no one does. No one goes, "Wow, that dirtbag! I can't believe you're not—you know—you don't hang out with me." It's like, no, oh, I'm sorry. I, I want—I want happy, healthy people in my life that are going to have the same—you know—point of perspective on life that I do. They want to make something happen.
2: Peace. Marcus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Randy, I think this is. Such you bring up such an important point. And if I could share with you one of, you know, one of, you know, secret here. Right. But the best way, the most effective way to take care of your children the best way, the easiest way, the fastest way, the most important way to take care of your kids across the board, no matter boys, girls, diagnoses, age, whatever. The best way to take care of your kids is to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. The best way to take care of your kids is to take care of yourself. Your kids will never be emotionally, mentally healthier than you are. Never. Mm. Never. Yeah, And so the more that you take care of yourself, the better able you are to take care of your children. We've been on plane. Right. And we've seen the flight attendants do like the whole here's the exits. Here's the mask thing. Right. When they put on the little air mask, the oxygen mask, who do they put on first? The adults. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you're not breathing, how are you going to. Put the oxygen mask on your kid
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
1: Right?
3: especially for a new mother especially you oh have to God, ask for help for i was actually i was telling nikki the other day like before Preach she mama. even went in
0: the <laughs> <Preach> it, <mama>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> before she was gonna have the baby <clears throat> i was like the one thing i didn't do was ask for help women depending if they're like very strong-willed women will not ask for help
2: well if you're no lucchese as you do <laughs> that's the hardest thing to do yes. apparently
3: yeah. And I was like, just ask for help, Nikki, like, and, and sleep, sleep when the baby is sleeping, don't clean up your house. Don't do dishes. Don't do anything. Just sleep. Cause you need that for yourself personally.
1: Right, And it's so hard. And so, you know, take care of yourself physically. Right. But then also like Randy's mom, right. Emotionally, socially, because this is a perfect example. We teach others how to, how to treat us. Right. And so your mom taught her family, they can walk all over her. Right. And so you then as a child watching those dynamics, you were taught this is the way that we live. Right. You give to others to the point where you're dying. Right. Where you can't handle it anymore. And you had the fortunate experience at some point to be like "Mm, that that doesn't look right. I don't I don't want to do that. But unfortunately, not everyone is like that. And so they will continue that cycle. And so even, you know, getting back to like the boundaries and, you know, letting people treat us the way that they do, our kids are watching us. And so if we let other people have loose boundaries with us or unpredictable boundaries with us, or we allow that in our circles, our kids are going to see that. Right. 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 And then they're going to take that. And then the boundaries that we have with them, they're going to take that into every other relationship.
0: hmm Yeah. You know, John Maxwell is famous for saying a quote, and he says, "People people do what people see," and we could turn this saying: "Children do and what chi- children yeah. do what parents see," or "Children do what they see see their parents do," right? Right. People do yeah. what people see.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. I have one more because I feel like we could talk about this for. Six so oh, hours. Great topic. And like, and I, listen, yeah. I'm so game for it. Like, even if that means you have to come back here, because it's
1: gladly, anytime, <laughs> yes.
2: Going, through there's <laughs> one question I have, and I want to hear. Obviously, I want to hear your opinion, but I want to hear your opinions as well. And it's the it's the idea of choice for children, right? And one thing I got from reading your talk before this, um, choice can be empowering and overwhelming for children. What? how do you, uh, I guess, so my question I wrote is, could you share examples of how the idea of choice can be empowering and overwhelming for children? But as we're talking, it's more like, why is it ch- empowering or overwhelming to children? Like why does that concept, why is it so empowering or overwhelming to a child? Cause I don't understand why it would be. You see what I mean? Like choice in general, just giving them the opportunity to make a choice when is the right time for them to make a choice? Like when do they have the ability, quote unquote, I guess ability, but to start thinking for themselves in a way, but with the guidance of a parent. Um, I hope that's not too in depth because I feel like, again, it's another in-depth question. This is the stuff that goes in my head. I'm like, well, I feel like that's a problem in today's society where children make their choices at three years old and parents just let them make a choice. But I feel like that's wrong. And it should be, well, in my opinion, that's wrong, but it's happening. So like, is there a science behind it or is there a right or a wrong or what? Where does one put their foot down and again draw that line in the sand? Like, no, this is wrong. Like, we need to stand up and say this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's so hard. And I think this is where we kind of get into that conversation where you have to decide what's individually best for your family. Right. And there are choices out there that are not appropriate for a three year old, right? Like picking your bedtime or picking exactly what you're going to have for dinner or you know, things like that. Right. Um, and, Having said that, though, the more control that you can give to our littles, the better, right? The more empowered they will feel, the more in control they will feel, the more, you know, that life is predictable and secure for them, right? Because they have that power. But again, it's within age appropriate limits, right? And so again, that's what changes like every day, right? As they get older, they may have a little bit more control. So you know, you're not going to allow your eighteen month old to pick out, you know, their outfit for the day, right, out of the entire closet for the whole year. Maybe you bring down two appropriate outfits and let him choose. Mm. right? And so it's almost like thinking of parenting as like a frame, right? like a picture frame on a canvas. And so you create the frame for them, hmm. right? You create that frame and you say, here are the rules. Here's what is appropriate. Here's the boundaries. Here's the lines. They can do whatever they want on the campus.
2: Okay. Right. I see.
1: And so that allows them that control and that power to feel like, yes, I decided something today. Right. And you're like, good for you. Cause really <laughs> I decided all the things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's giving them choices within the choices you've already created for your family.
2: Gotcha. Interesting.
1: If that makes sense, sounds like inception kind of right. Mm-hmm. But like here's the frame and here's the canvas and they can do whatever they want in that. But
2: yeah, that makes sense. It's, yeah.
3: yeah. I think the hardest thing that we struggle with is like setting a time to eat. Cause like, as far as like with the business, mm-hmm. Like we're always on, like twenty four seven. So mm-hmm. something will happen with the business, and then like all of a sudden, like we're not eating, as your mom would say, Ralph. You should eat by six o'clock every night. Because, oh. but it's love you, Teresa. Uh, <laughs> I love you too. That's
2: a boundary that I shot away the second <laughs> oh. I moved out of the house because it doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. But
3: but I I strive for that for our family. You know, every night I try to do six o'clock, but it's it's hard with the way life is now. You know, right. with everything going on, mm-hmm. we we don't have that rigid st- structure no. and but it's it,
1: you don't have to right. your boundary within that is you eat your vegetables and mm-hmm. your nuggets before yeah. you get the right. cookie, that's right? So like true. that's yes. your boundary. Right. Yes. So if the six wow. o'clock isn't a boundary, don't make it a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. <laughs> you create your frame. Six o'clock has nothing to do with your frame, right? Yes. Your frame is you're going to eat your, your protein and your veggies or finish your plate or whatever rule you have. And then you can get the cookie. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the pressure though. Yeah. We feel like we have to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And we don't just create your own little parenting frame and let them act appropriately in there. And then that's where Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, you can have the red boots or the blue boots, but it is raining and you're not going outside with boots.
0: Right? (laughs) Right. Like, and that's
1: the fight. (laughs) And that takes the effort, but yeah.
0: Yeah, Sure. One more quick thing about, you know, we, we were just talking about, well, having children make decisions on their own, right? And how far do you go? How far do you not go? There was a neat study that came out years ago where Harvard was studying the affluent families and why are they so affluent? And it seems like they are generation after generation, right? And what they noticed is that when parents would go to the doctor's office and if it was an affluent family, the mom or the dad would say to the child, tell the doctor what's wrong. And the child was able to exert to a person of authority of this is what's going on with me. So it has to do with integrity of speaking up for yourself. It would say, I have a rash right here on my elbow. Do you see it? Whereas the un-inaffluent family, the mom would speak for the child, and the child was not even allowed to speak to the doctor because you're not good enough. You keep your mouth quiet. The doctor will talk to you. But the other, the assumption is you can talk to the doctor. You're good enough. You're whole enough. I notice Tiff now. We go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Tiff will make every child order their own, <laughs> order their own food. Tell, tell the waiter what you want. <laughs> Yeah. exert yeah. yourself to the world speak up
1: well yeah. and i think and i remember reading that study really? and that was awesome and i think also on the flip side though very interesting right because in the higher affluent families sometimes literally have more choices hmm. in life i see than maybe like the lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. families right where mm-hmm. it's like here's your dinner we don't have a million groceries from trader joe's mm. or Wegmans. Or famine in- exactly right like I see. Here's your dinner. Here's your chicken and your rice and your beans. You eat it Mm -hmm. or you don't. And that's it. And so it's very interesting because we also see the flip side of that. Right. And so maybe there's more like integrity in the one and more availability of the parents to focus on that type of stuff. But then sometimes the boundaries are more strongly held in some of those families who may not have all the resources mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. so much choice mm-hmm. where the kids have so much control, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Your frame is much smaller. Right. Yeah.
3: Right. I think it depends all, all on the parent too. Oh, like, it does. like Maggie yes. the other night, she wanted um, a different type of Mac and cheese that we had. We have Panera bread or just like the, the craft macaroni and cheese. Right. And she's like, Oh, well I changed my mind. Now I want Panera bread. I'm like, no, we made the craft. That's what you're going to eat. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I can have more if I finish it. And I'm like, yeah, you can then you can have the Panera Bread one. Mm-hmm. So, but she never finished. Yeah. So she didn't get it. Right. So I think that's it all great. depends on your boundaries oh, too. totally is too, right? Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, and it's, it may be easier for some of us who don't have two mac and cheeses, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. so go ahead and cry mm-hmm. because there's literally no other mac right. and cheese. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yep. And then that's where the energy comes from. So it sounds like yep. you put in the energy for your daughter to know, oh, okay, well, mom says, If I finish, then I get more. Yes. Yep. Right. But that's so hard, right? If it's late at night and we've had a long day and it's like, oh, my God, you want the other mac and cheese? Give me 30 seconds. And, you know, it's like. So true. So true. And so sometimes is, I do,
3: too. It just. Oh, God, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm,
0: there's times. <laughs> like, fine, whatever. It's <laughs> it is,
1: it is so hard. It's so hard. And it changes every day. Every day. But the more aware that we can be of like, OK, where is this coming from? Is it mm-hmm. because I'm exhausted and I'm not wanting to fight the good fight? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. all right, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll make sure that I'm eaten and I've, mm-hmm. you know, I'm OK and we don't have to rush and there's space to fight mm-hmm. the good fight, you mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. and then you can. Yeah.
0: You know, there, you ever hear the word gist when it comes to a bird? The gist of a bird? The gist of something? The gist of something is like the, the overall feel of it, right? And birds have a gist to their flight. They do. Like people that study birds, they can see a bird like way in the sky and go, I know exactly what kind of bird that is based upon the gist of the way it's flying. Yeah, but if you study, apparently I can't do that. But apparently people study birds and it's called the gist. And there's a lot of things in, this comes out of Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink. The things you know in an instant, it's the gist of the bird. I know it instantly without even knowing anything. And I think a lot of stuff with parenting, it's the gist of it all, right? Because there are days where you're going to fail. You're going to flop. But if there's more wins than failures, the gist is, I, I put a lot of effort in this. You know the boundaries. We're working on this, right? A lot of this is the gist. And it's you know okay. Yeah, it's all good. It's yeah. okay. Because yeah, okay. yeah, you're teaching your, teaching your child. You can fail too. And, but you know, the only fail when you just give up. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's the real failure. You know, so yeah, it's all good, you know? Wow. Yeah, it matters yeah. that
3: you're actually there. Yeah. That's what yeah, really matters right. at right. the end of the day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Very cool.
2: Well, yeah. thank you so much. I, thank I, you so much for like being here. Can, this you is gotta, great. You gotta great do conversation. A Thanks, guys. This is fine. <laughs> you right? right there, <laughs> a a is cool. <laughs> there you go. We could do, do a mom one. There you go. Mom one. I love that. Imagine a mom. podcast. a There you go. That would be awesome. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having us.